0: You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Moving Day, where we're taking a look at how the Holy Spirit moves us out to advance God's kingdom. move it move it I like to move it move it you yeah, like to move it I like to move it move it I like to move it move it I like to move it move it you yeah, like to move it I like to move it move it I like to move it move it I like to move it move it you like to move it, move it. Yeah, like to. Move it. <laughs> all right we are starting a new series this today called moving day so I like to move it, move it, yeah. anybody, anybody ever got roped into helping somebody move? anybody, anybody? Some of you, some of you, it's me that I roped you into helping move. But um, um, some of you, some of you, you know, you had your buddy, you know, rope you into helping helping him move and stuff, and like you like show up and like no boxes are packed. You like show up, you expect to just move stuff into the truck and, and everything, and. And, and when you do show up no boxes are packed or anything is packed and you're like I didn't sign up to help you pack like what is this all about so what you thought was only gonna be a few hours turned into all day and all night and, and, and stuff and so we do it, Nicole and I this is gonna sound really really bad as I say Nicole and I we do like to move it move it but what I mean is we have 12 different addresses Gideon and Nathan are smiling everybody else is like what are you talking <laughs> about Dave just passed out back there. (laughs) We have had 12 different addresses in 13 years of marriage. They're like, what? Yes, and actually for the last two years, we've had the same address. So it was 12 addresses in 11 years of marriage that Nicole and I have had. So, you know, the more you move, the more you realize Jesus' command to sell everything you have and give to the poor makes a whole lot of sense. So you're just like, here, have it, take it, have fun. And then, and then, you know, you don't get it all fit into the box and the pod and stuff and the moving van. So you're just like, here, have my stuff that I bought and I would have liked to have had on here. And so you move, but, but, but in order to move, in order to move, you buy another house, either in the same city or a different location. Most of our 12 addresses are actually, a lot of those are are actually moving inside the same city, which is actually a more difficult move than moving across the country because you can linger that, you know, when you move across the city, you're like, I don't have to take that now, I don't have to. So, like, you turn a weekend project into a month and you're moving across the city. But when you're moving across the country, you know, say here to New York, it's one deal, like, you're not coming back through and, and... you know, moving anything else, so, uh, but, um, but when you move, you get another house, or an apartment, or something, and before you move in, what do you do, what do you do before you move in, before you, you use the toilet, you use the toilet, (laughs) oh, Scott just told me, told us that he's like a dog and he just marks his territory wherever he goes. That's what Scott just told us there. You pack, but before you move in, you do any work that you need to on the new house, right? You do work before you get your stuff in and you have to move all your stuff. You do work to make that house ready to move in. In you rebuild. And this series is 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 built on top of the previous series. God rebuilds us in order to get us prepared for moving day. That he takes us then when he rebuilds us, because he's never done rebuilding us, he takes us then as he's rebuilding us and moves us out. Uh, for refresher, back uh, uh, when we had the sermon out of Ezekiel, the dry bones, Ezekiel 37.10, so I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and quite often, usually, and right here I believe that, the, that breath is used as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. They all came to life and stood up on their feet a great army. What good is an army if you don't send the army anywhere? If you get together an army and you tell the army, you just stay right here, what good is that army? He rebuilds us. He sends his spirit into us to give us life, to transform our life and send us out to be an army. He told this to his disciples, John 20:21. 20, and again, Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you. As the father has sent me with a purpose and a mission to this earth, so I am sending you with a mission and purpose to this earth. And so the Holy Spirit has come on our life to, 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 to rebuild us, but he rebuilds us to move us out. So what does it look like for Jesus or for the Holy Spirit to move us out? What does he do in our life to move us out from here? We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. I uh, encourage you to follow along, hardbound Bible, or, or uh, grab the Bible app off your smartphone or tablet. And uh, we put the uh, 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 verses in an event uh, um, deal there in the Bible app. Uh, You'd scroll down and you find the event and you can pop that up. You can take notes. You take notes on the cheat sheet. We encourage you to take notes. I mean, I know, you know, this is one-way communication, but notes and uh, typing out on Facebook, this is what God's saying to me and, you know, this is what he said and this is crazy and uh, and, and, and stuff. Uh, We want you to interact that way. But how does the Holy Spirit move us? Acts 1 verse 4. Once, when he, Jesus, was eating with them. I mean, what do you do after you resurrect? You just hang with your boys and eat, right? Like, that's just, I guess, what you do. You just, you resurrect from the grave and you just chill out with your, with your boys and you just eat something after you, after you resurrect. I've never done that before, but apparently that's what you do uh, after you come back to life. He commanded you, or he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The first thing, the first thing the Holy Spirit does to move us out is baptize us. And some of you are like, "Ooh, you just said baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you just got nervous. You just got nervous. Depending how much background in the Southern Baptist Convention you have depends on how much you just got nervous at me saying, baptized with the Holy Spirit like is it all going to get up crazy in here no no the Holy Spirit doesn't come on us to make us crazy now God does crazy things when we look out and see what he does when he baptizes us he does crazy things but he doesn't make us crazy let's talk about baptism for a second what does baptized mean immersed right? When we have our tank out here and we, when we baptize somebody, what do we do to them? We immerse them. We cover them with water. We soak them. We make them completely saturated with water. And this is the same thing that he does with the Holy Spirit. See, what did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? The promised gift, Right? Paul calls him the inheritance that we have, the down payment of our inheritance. God wants to completely immerse us with himself. God wants to completely soak us with himself. That's a gift, right? Us as humans, that God completely soaks us with himself? That's a gift. That is a little bit crazy, That God would want to soak us with Himself. And what happens when He soaks us with Himself? He cleanses us. He forgives us. He rebuilds us. Everything that we talked about last series rebuilds our mind, rebuilds our heart, rebuilds our feet, rebuilds our weakness, rebuilds our strength. When As he comes upon us and rebuilds us, that's what it means. That's God immersing us with himself. See, when unholy people intersect or get immersed with a holy God, we can't stay the same. We can't. Those of you that maybe have struggled with church, and they're a bunch of hypocrites and stuff, well, we all can be hypocritical. But what you mean is, hey, look, If you say you follow God and your life isn't the same, there's something wrong there. See, those that are non-fans can see this sometimes before Christians can see this. That if we're not transformed, if we're not rebuilt, there's something not right He immerses us with Himself. It is the gift of God to us, as we make Him Lord. See, maybe some of you are like me, and I've always read this whole two baptism thing, and you know, there's the John baptized with water, and then there's then there's I will I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you're you're like, what is that all about? And as I've studied for this series, and we kind of I see this come up. Uh, a time or two more in this series, as so I study for this series and thinking about is there a modern day application to this, and what is this all about and, 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 and does it was that just for then and what they did they understand this and here 's what I think is the closest thing we have to this it 's the pray of the prayer theology that 's as, as, as they talk about john 's baptism, that's a baptism of repentance. It doesn't say that in this verse, but in other verses they say it's a baptism of repentance. Now, is repentance important? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when we pray a prayer because we are sorry and we go, hell is hot and it's scary and I don't want to go there, so if all I have to do is pray a prayer, something tells me we're praying a prayer of repentance. But if that's where it stops, that's not all that God has for us. God wants to us to be immersed with him. Like, what does that look like? We call Jesus our Lord. See, there's a difference between just feeling sorry for sin, which is important, and wanting to repent, and actually making Jesus our Lord. And you're like, what does that look like? Are we talking about two salvations, two baptisms? What is I don't think it was ever intended to be two separate deals. It was always intended to be one. We see it separated sometimes in, in Acts. I think it was always intended to be one deal and one concept. And when we repent, we also, we also ask Jesus to be our Lord. But again, modern day, when we tell people to pray a prayer in order to, 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 to forgive, get God to forgive us of our sins so we won't go to hell, we're not asking people to consider Jesus as their Lord either. And as churches, we've kind of dropped the ball there in this aspect of discipleship. Is repentance important? Am I telling you, get rid of repentance? Absolutely not. But is Jesus your Lord? Is he the one that you follow? Is he the one that I follow? Are we going to be perfect? Absolutely not. That's where we need repentance, right? So that's what I think. As I read Acts, and, because really that, that whole idea is, is, is mainly teased out in Acts, and as we go through Acts, we'll, we'll take a look at that. But That's not what I think that's all getting at, and how we kind of see that played out today. Do we want just a get-out-of-hell-free card, or do we want to be immersed with God? Which one do you want? Which one do I want? Which one's better? But as he immerses us, he just doesn't want to soak us with himself. There's something he wants to have happen in our life. Acts 1.6 So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The disciples didn't quite get it. And they're still in that didn't quite get it stage. And here's what I think was going through their minds. When the Messiah came, what they expected, what Israel expected, all the people, they expected two things. They expected a cleansing, political cleansing, where this Messiah would help them cleanse politically uh, they're, they're oppressors, and at this point in time, it was Rome. So this Messiah would come and come in and kick the Romans' butt and get them out, and, and now we can be Israel again. But there is also this concept of a religious cleansing that that this Messiah would come in and, and, and cleanse house religiously and and, and and put the religious elites in their place and 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 and, and restore a religious order that that was. More what God intended. So when Jesus cleansed the temple, people were like, ah, this is what he's doing. When Jesus walked into the temple, made his whip, went just completely nuts, and these religious guys, everybody else standing around going, ah, religious cleansing right there. But Jesus never really did anything with his Roman deal. So after he resurrected, here's what I think is going through the disciples' minds Jesus, you're brilliant. This is like the Terminator. Like you come up from the grave and now you're indestructible. That's brilliant. Why did we not think of this? Now you're going to restore Israel back to Israel and kick the Romans' butt because you cannot die anymore. That's brilliant. Face palm, right, Courtney? Ah, oh, yeah. Jesus is like, can you lift me up to heaven now, please? You know, Get me out of here. All right, Scott, that's a face That's a face bomb. That's a face bomb. Yeah, we're educating you every week. Every week. Okay, Jesus replied, any time the disciples brought up end times, restoration of the kingdom, things like this, he deflected the question like a good football coach. Right? No good football coach ever answers the question. Belichick, Belichick, yeah. He never... What was was that? Jesus kind of like that. Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Deflection. (laughs) Don't worry about that stuff. But... This is what you should worry about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit want to move us out? He wants to give us power. He wants to give us power to be his witnesses. And some of you just got extra nervous. Again, like... Oh, no, you're going to tell me to go knock on doors and I should save every checker that checks me out ever. And and like, oh, no. Look, we're gifted in different ways. We talked about that last week. Some of us have the gift of being able to make friends of people who don't know you. Some of you, like me, don't have that gift. You're just like, just check me out let me go. You know, like, let me get out of here. I went to Walmart this morning to get deodorant because I've ran out of deodorant and forgot to get it yesterday, so I got deodorant. No, don't worry. Just relax. I got it. But I, got, I have one thing, and I'm walking down through. I'm like, how many people come to Walmart at 8.45 in the morning? Like, all the lines are back to the clothes, and like, I just want to get out of here. Like, ah. See, some of it, like, meeting new people just stresses you out. That would be me, right? But you're gifted in other ways. And he wants to use that gifting in power. It's amazing that when we start using our gifting, the more opportunity we see come our way to be able to be witnesses. So let's talk about that word witness before we get all like nervous and like, ah, what are we going to do now? And I can't go door to door and door. Relax, relax, relax. Let's talk about witness. Witness isn't even a Christian word. It's not a Christian word. It's a word we do. Really, probably every day. All the idea of witnesses is, is, you observing something that somebody else didn't observe, and you tell them about it. So, this happened last week. Phil and Jess, and Chris and Jamie went to the Third Eye Blind concert. Not necessarily together, but that's, you know, they went there, you know. Don't want you, Pastor, know where you gone. Don't put it on Facebook, okay? So just it it just is. It can become illustrations. But this one doesn't have anything to do with you guys, but you guys were there. But last Sunday at Bears, Phil was like, "Jack, Jack, 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 you gotta check this drum solo out. What was Phil doing? He was witnessing what he observed, thought it was cool, and showed Jack about what happened. So Phil, as you're listening to this, I better be seeing video of the script a Hall of Fame. Sorry, that was just me and Phil just having a little conversation there. So I know he'll listen to that and, and stuff. So that's where they are this weekend. They went up last night to St. Louis to watch the script and won and Republic in concert. So. He texted me, I'm watching... Hall of Fame is like my favorite song. I'm watching the script do Hall of Fame. I'm like, I better see video, pal. You did it for Jack. Better do it for me. Come on. Anyway, where were we? Um, power, that's right. Witness, that's where we were. All witness is, is observing something and telling somebody else about it. So when it comes to Jesus... He had very simple evangelism training. In fact, for those of you that have gone through like six-week classes or eight-week classes on evangelism training, I actually apologize to you for having to sit through all of that. Because I will tell you Jesus' method of evangelism training right here in about 30 seconds. John 5:18. Jesus just healed a guy that was infected with demons, a legion of demons. In fact, there are so many demons. So many demons that when they exited the man, they went into 2,000 pigs, freaked the pigs out, they ran down a cliff. It's a pretty cool story, Mark 5. The townspeople came out, saw what was happening, they liked the pigs better than Jesus, so they begged Jesus to leave as Jesus was leaving this is what happened mark five eighteen. as Jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him hey this dude would have made a better disciples than any of the twelve disciples probably combined so it would have been wise for Jesus to say oh yeah, yeah yeah come on come on we need one more Peter's not that good anyway so come on but Jesus said no go home to your family Here's Jesus' evangelism training right here. And tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. That's Jesus' evangelism training. You don't need eight weeks. You need eight seconds. You can say this while riding on a bull to completion. Nobody knows what riding bulls are. Okay, all right. That's just. Eight seconds. All yeah, right, right, okay. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Appreciate it, Link. I'm not a, well, yeah, well, our next series is going to be called The Parables, but, you know, that's uh, me and Jack, we know that, so. Where was I at again? Um, Bulls, no. Eight seconds, no. Oh, Jesus Evangelism training. He simply told the guy, he simply told the guy, tell, tell your family everything that God's done for you. This is what Jesus still wants us to do. Tell people everything God's done for you. How he's rebuilt your mind, how he's rebuilt your heart, how he's rebuilt your feet, how he's rebuilt your weakness, how he's rebuilt your strength. Tell them what God's done for you. And if we don't have things that God's done for us, we need to reevaluate our relationship with God. We either need to keep our eyes open more, or we need a relationship with God. Because again, when an, un, uh, when an unholy person intersects with a holy God, things got to change. Things have to happen. But I mean, who can't do this right? Who, who can't do this? Just telling people what God's done. That's all He wants. And then, and then why we do this right here and why we're trying to expand and, and get, get into there is, is so that as we are able to talk to people and tell people and say, hey, hey, this is what God's done for me, we just go, come with me to church. It's not about going to church. It's about you experiencing this God who wants to do the same thing for you. Just come and chill with us and hang with us and see this for just a week. I'll take you to lunch afterwards. And help each other do evangelism, right? And what we're trying to do is create an environment where it's easier to invite people. That's one of the things that, as we were ramping up for this, that I kept hearing. A bigger environment will help us invite people. Not be so awkward to have people come in and like everybody's staring at them because they're like one of a few So all this is, is mass evangelism. Us helping each other do evangelism and witness and say, just come with me so that you can experience this Jesus and what he can do in your life. But sometimes we get stuck. I think as a church, we, we, we got stuck in part trying to figure out exactly what we need to do, but we kind of got stuck there for a while. And, 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 and what happens though? When we get stuck. Acts nine. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. You know, like, that's a pretty cool trick. <laughs> like, just whoop. Like, is this like up balloons and helium? Or what's going on here? Like, wow. And so they're staring up into heaven, trying to figure out what Jesus is doing. There stood two white-robed men. Suddenly, he stood among them. These are angels. Men of Galilee, they said, "Why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go." So the angels came down. All the disciples are like staring into heaven, going, "Wow, what just happened here?" And a bunch of angels or a couple of angels come on, get on up, out of here. Get out of here. Go. What is the Holy Spirit going to do to move us out? He's going to prod us. Sometimes it's a gentle prodding. Sometimes it's a two by four to the head. But he is going to prod us to get us to move. And we're going to see this throughout the story of Acts and see how there are different ways that that, 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 that the Holy Spirit prodded people to move to get out of the ways that they're stuck, whether it be a mindset, or rather, you know, there are times that just good things were happening. And so God pushed them out to to, to further those good things that were happening to further and advance the kingdom beyond where they were. He prods us to not get stuck or when we do get stuck. But the one thing The one thing we've got to do above anything else. The one thing that is foundational to these previous three. The one thing that the disciples did get right in this process. They got a bunch of things wrong. But the one thing they did get right was this. And this is what we've got to get right as well. Acts 1.14 They all met together, and we're constantly united in prayer. In other translations, it said they all met together, and we're one accord in prayer. You're like, I didn't know there were cars in the Bible. There aren't. Accord means to rush together in unison. So actually, Honda did get it right. That's what accord means, rush together in unison. So they, being all the disciples, not just the, the 11 at this point in time, but the 120, and, and you, as you see, the, Mary, the mother of Jesus, seven other women, and the brothers of Jesus, all were together, and they rushed together in prayer. Isn't that kind of a cool picture? That they didn't do anything. They went into a room, but they rushed together in prayer. that's the one thing we gotta get right and that's the one foundational way that the Holy Spirit moves us is in prayer are you praying? yeah sure logistics pray for logistics but you know what God's got that in his timeline we've got a timeline we we want to hold to but you know what God's got that in his timeline we're gonna to work to see what can happen but who knows exactly how it's going to shake down. But this thing is bigger than logistics, right? This thing is just bigger than getting a a, a room. It's about having a facility that people who are broken can come find healing inside of a group of people. The people who are struggling can come find strength. People who are lost can find direction. people who need a refuge can find a refuge this is what this is all about so let's pray to that end say God let's get this environment right help lead us to utilize this tool a building is just a tool help lead us to use this to see people find you We've got pray for three cards. We're gonna bring them back out. Three people that you've got in your life that you feel like God's laid on your heart to pray for. To either come back to God or to find him for the first time. That we rush together in unison. Not that necessarily every time we pray, we only pray as a group, but the united hearts together that we are praying for His name to be honored as holy, for His kingdom to come, for His will to be done, for Him to provide for the will that He wants done, for Him to forgive, and for Him to strengthen us and protect us from the evil one. That we rush together in unison and say, we will pray. I will pray. I'll pray that we get our culture right, our environment right, and that we're engaging people. And I will pray for people who need to know the salvation of Jesus and the gift that God wants to give of His Holy Spirit. And how he wants to rebuild lives. Because you know what? If our goal, our mission, our vision, whatever you want to call that, if that is something we know we can achieve on our own, we don't need God. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We can do this on our own. But if we've got what we have in front of us is what we can handle on our own, we don't need God. We don't need prayer. We don't need parting. We don't need power. We don't need baptism. We don't need to be immersed with God. We can do it. You know, part of the key is to find the right mountain to scale. And you know, we checked into owning our own building and things like that. Those were mountains that were off in the distance. But now we have something that we can't handle. We need God. We can do what we can do, but we need God to do what only He can do. Are we asking Him to do that? are we coming before Him in prayer and asking Him to work in our life for the time of reflection really what we've got the question that we've got is how is He moving you? do you need salvation? do you need a Lord? do you need to make Jesus your Lord? and you need that immersion that that start Have you read things like this and about the power of God and, you know, you looked around at church and said, ooh, that's one thing that's missing? Is He moving you to be a witness so that His power can be seen through our witness of everything that God's done for us? Is He prodding you gently or not quite so gently? See, those three, three things, I mean, they can be worked out in different ways in, in different people's lives in different times and seasons in our life. But one thing that we all can be moved in more is prayer. Every one of us. That's the foundation to all this all. How is he moving you? He will move his great army to advance his kingdom. How is he moving you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And as we take a look at Acts and we, we see Acts and see how you moved your, your disciples, your, your people, I pray, Lord, that you will move us in the same ways. We pray, Lord, that uh, we're not content. that We are content, but we're not content. That we're happy with having you. We're happy with where where you have us but at the same time we want to take what you've given us in advance your kingdom move us because you've immersed us move us because you have put power on us to be your witnesses move us to the ends of the earth it's your name that we pray Amen. Thank you for listening to the CrossPoint Fellowship podcast. You can find us on Facebook by searching My CrossPoint.